everyone, and welcome to the Hybrid Wrestling Podcast. My name is Rick Beebe, and on today's episode, we'll be taking a look at the debut event of Pancrase. This event happened on September 21st, 1993, and is so eloquently subtitled, Yes, We Are Hybrid Wrestlers. First, though, let's get some plugs out of the way. You can follow me, at LeoWyatt85 on X, or also known as Twitter, I love to talk about classic pro wrestling with anybody, and I'm always willing to listen to suggestions for future shows and topic ideas. Also, you can follow this show at hybrid underscore cast. And while you're at it, give my buddies Mike Prue and JV a follow. They do the Bottom Line Wrestling Cast, where they detail the career of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Currently, they're working their way through stunning Steve's career in WCW, and they're also doing the Stone Cold Variety Packs just to mix things up. Follow them at Bottom Line Cast. And lastly, give the show that I do with Mike Pru and JV a follow. It's at Extreme Cast. We review ACW Hardcore TV and are currently in August 1996. It's available exclusively on the Booking the Territory Patreon at the $5 tier. However, if you'd like to check it out before you skip your daily coffee, there's a free feed available that's about a year behind. All right, with that out of the way, let's jump into a brief history of Pancrase before we start our watch along. Pancrase was founded in 1993 by Masakatsu Funaki, Minoru Suzuki, Takaku Fuke, and Ken Shamrock. After the four of them left pro wrestling Fujiwara Gumi due to Yoshiaki Fujiwara deciding to partner with Winga and the ULL, and focusing more on entertainment over the in-ring work. Suzuki and Funaki had both started out in the New Japan Dojo in 1985, being in the same class as Jushin Thunder Liger, Kaiji Muto, Shinya Hashimoto, Masahiro Chono, and Chris Benoit. In other words, they were surrounded by the future of Japanese pro wrestling. The head trainer was Fujiwara himself a former dojo graduate, and a man known for his grappling prowess in the ring due to being a former judoko. He took a liking to Suzuki and Funaki, teaching them both tactics from shoot wrestling. Funaki would debut as a junior heavyweight at the tender age of 15, while Suzuki would debut three years later at age 20. In 1989, Suzuki and Funaki would leave New Japan along with Fujiwara to join the newborn UWF which was the second incarnation of the UWF in Japan, founded by Akira Maeda. The backstory of the UWF's formation is going to be a topic for another episode, but suffice to say, Maeda was asked to leave New Japan rather than leaving on his own accord. Newborn UWF would focus on clean finishes of submissions and knockouts, thus differentiating themselves from All Japan Pro Wrestling and New Japan Pro Wrestling classifying themselves as real fighting, even though all three companies had worked matches. After UWF folded again in 1990, the wrestlers would splinter off into three groups. Much of the roster would form UWFI, the UWF International, or the Union of Pro Wrestling Forces International, depending on who you ask. Maido would take some of trainees from the UWF dojo, as well as some foreign fighters, and form Fighting Network Rings. And, as I mentioned earlier, Fujiwara would take Suzuki, Funaki, and Fuke to form Pro Wrestling Fujiwara Gumi, 
All three of these companies will feature in upcoming episodes, so don't worry if you've never heard of them before. Pro Wrestling Fujiwara Gumi, or PWFG, would run shows from 1991 until 1996, but some of the roster would leave in 1993 due to the co-promotion with pro wrestling companies, while pro wrestling Fujiwara Gumi had toted himself as being real pro wrestling. There was also the fact that Ken Shamrock had faced kickboxer Don Nakaya Nielsen in a mixed rules match at an event called Stack of Arms for PWFG, and soundly defeated him, leading him, Suzuki, and Funaki to wonder why they had previously been told no one would ever pay real money to see two guys fight for real. They would name their new endeavor Pancrase, after Japanese wrestling legend Carl Gotch introduced them to the ancient Olympic sport of unarmed fighting called Pankration. The bouts would be real, with no predetermined outcome or gimmicky characters like you would see in other companies. In May 1993, they established the parent company, World Pancrase Create Inc., for 30 million yen, which is surprisingly only about $226,000 in today's money. And, on September 21st, they promoted their first card at the Tokyo Bay NK Hall in front of a sellout crowd of 7,000 people. Before we get into the action, allow me to quickly cover the rules of Pancrase, as they do differ from traditional pro wrestling. Aside from standard rules that you find in most grappling, no biting, no eye gouging, no fish hooking, the rules were as followed. No elbow strikes to the head, either with your opponent standing or on the ground. No closed fist strikes to the head, either while standing or on the ground. No knees to the head on the ground. No kicks or stomps to the head while on the ground. If the participants got too close to the ropes, they would be stood up on their feet, as opposed to other promotions where they would be recentered in the middle of the ring. Non-title matches would consist of one 15-minute round, while title matches would consist of one 30-minute round. You'll note that I didn't mention anything about open-hand strikes to the head. Those were completely legal. You'll see plenty of slaps, some palm thrusts, etc. You just couldn't use a closed fist, similar to the way pro wrestling has the rule of you're not supposed to use a closed fist. However, you could use a closed fist on the body, um, almost like a ground and pound, um, punching your opponent in the ribs or something to that effect. And kicks to the body were completely allowed. Um, you'll see Bass Rutten loves to do body kicks. Pancrase matches can end either by knockout, technical knockout, submission, or judge's decision. I think by now most of you are aware of tapping out and how if you're caught in a submission and you tap, you give up, and that's a loss. However, in 1993, that was a new concept, so they included it as part of the rules. Each fighter is given five escapes, or points, if you will, at the beginning of every match. An escape is used when you are caught in a submission and you grab the rope or put your foot on it. Uh, similar to a rope break in pro wrestling, um, you get stood back up in the middle of the ring, and you have one point deducted. Once you use all of your escapes... That's a loss. There's also knockouts. When you are knocked down in a way that's very apparent, like in boxing, a 10 count is started. If you're unable to answer the 10 count, it's declared a knockout, and you are the loser. However, if you answer the 10 count, 
the fight keeps going, and you lose one point. Again, if you get knocked down and you lose points between points and rope breaks or escapes, you'd lose once you use up all your points. If at the end of the 15 minutes or 30 minutes, depending on if it's a title match or not, neither person has submitted, been knocked out, or lost all their points, they base the decision on who has fewer points. Um, and if the case is going that neither fighter has lost any points or they've both lost the same amount, they call it a draw. Hopefully all, all of that makes sense because we are just about ready to start watching Yes, We Are Hybrid Wrestlers. I'll put a link in the description if you'd like to watch along, or you can just listen to me, and I'll have the audio going underneath. All right, so we are going to go to the timestamp of 10 minutes and 20 seconds on the video that I'll link down below in the show notes. Um, the reason why we're skipping the first 10 minutes and 20 seconds is because it's just um, the beginning of the event where they have all the wrestlers come out and introduce them to the crowd, and then couple of them do a little speech. The only person, unless you know Japanese, that you'll even be able to understand is Ken Shamrock. Um, from what I've been able to read, um, all of them were basically just saying, thank you for coming, we hope you enjoy uh, our show, and, you know, thanks for the support. Um, so, nothing really big, and I, I didn't think it was worth it to spend 10 minutes just kind of yammering over that um, when we can get right to the action. Alright, so now, uh, hopefully you're all set. If you need a minute, go ahead and pause me and come back. And you're at 10 minutes and 20 seconds. I'll give a countdown. Three down to one. When I say play, you'll hit play. And we'll get this started. Three, two, one, play. Alright, so Katsuomi Inagaki versus Minoru Suzuki. Uh, Suzuki is that guy right there. He's got the dark towel on his head. He looks like he's ready to murder somebody. And that's Inagaki. Um, Suzuki is pretty well known to most uh, fans of pro wrestling, especially in Japan. Um, but even then, if you've watched ROH or uh, Impact in the past few years, I believe uh, Suzuki has made at least one appearance in them. Um, he's affectionately known as Murder Grandpa. Because he's an old man, but he still looks and pretty much could murder you. Um, one of his defining features you'll see is his ears. They are quite large and they stick straight out of his head. Um, so I got Inagaki up because Inagaki I didn't really know much about. Um, this is his first professional MMA shoot wrestling, whatever you want to call it, um, contest. Um, he's listed as having one, um, one bout in a karate cup against a guy and losing um, in early 1993. But other than that, this would be his first uh, appearance in some sort of a, you know, shoot fighting MMA kind of uh, situation. Um, so as you can see there, um, Suzuki kind of caught the kick and he took him down and now he's working on trying to get possibly an arm bar or maybe a leg bar. Um, and the rules kind of come into into play here because Suzuki can slap him, you know, he can punch him in the body, but he, he can't punch him in the face, he's got to slap at him, um, whereas um, Fuke can, you know, I believe, can kind of throw kicks and all that, not right now, obviously, because they're, they're both kind of going for a leg bar on each other, or maybe a heel hook of some sort, oh, there you go, Suzuki, see, Suzuki's reading my mind, he's going for a heel hook, um, and, uh, Inagaki's kind of in trouble. 
as you notice, the, the fans are pretty polite, but then they uh, they applaud a little bit when something good happens, you know, like, uh, you know, Suzuki kind of reversed him and, and that. Um, now Suzuki's trying to, looks like he's trying to get on his back. at a knee. I don't want to say you actually hit him, but pretty decent knee. Got Suzuki. I don't know if he's setting him up for an armbar or whatever, but yeah. See, now the ref breaks him up and takes him back to the neutral corners, center of the ring. Doesn't, um, doesn't just stand him up where they are or pull him into the center of the ring and keep him in that same position like you would see um, in Pride a few years later. Um, probably about four years later, I think, is when Pride started, 97. Um, and eventually we'll get to, to Pride. Um, probably a, a ways off because I, I like to focus on the earlier stuff first. Um, but, I mean, we'll, we're going to throw in some, some wacky stuff. It might be a one-off, you know, Pride special or something. Suzuki looks like he's going for a, a front uh, front chancery or you know front face lock, guillotine choke, however you want to call it. And he takes the back and he's hasn't got hooks in. Oops, he's got the hooks in. Looks like he's going for a guillotine, maybe a neck crank. Doesn't really have it sunk in. Um, he's got the he hasn't got his ankles crossed or anything that he's kind of constricting him with the uh, legs, but he's aiming for it. And uh, he doesn't really have much. Oh, no. Looks like he's, he's got him almost in a sleeper. The corner's telling him, tap. You know, don't tap here. He needs to tap. Oh, he's got that sunk in. That forearm is across the neck. He's going to tap. He's going to tap. He tapped. And then he passed out. <laughs> So Suzuki choked him out, legit. He's unconscious. And, uh, one of the things that you see a lot in Pancrase, they didn't, they kind of cut to it, cut it right there. Is they um, a lot of times will check on their opponents after the fall. Like you see it in modern MMA too, but they they do it in here. Like he'll celebrate, but then he goes over and he checks on on the guy just to make sure because he doesn't want to hurt him. You know, he wants to hurt him enough to win, but uh, not enough to you know really severely damage him. And there's Bas Rutten, if you're familiar with him from Pride, um, you know, as the announcer. Or um, his stuff, uh, his brief UFC career. Um, his Pancrase career here. Um, I do know that those shorts that he's wearing, um, he was told not to wear them after, I think, either this event or the next event. And I forget what it was, but basically they, uh, they didn't like... The shorts they they wanted him to to wear the you know the little briefs I don't know what you actually call them uh, trunks I guess like the other guys will wear um, but yeah Boss Rutens right now just he's a young up and coming kickboxer basically it's a nice sharp kick palm strike right to the right to the face and uh, I think he broke his nose pretty. Pretty sure, because I've seen this fight before, and I'm pretty sure 
that Bas uh, doing commentary on it has gone, yeah, I, I broke his nose with that shot. You know, first first uh, strike to the face and he broke the guy's nose. Or at least he rearranged it. Yeah. Yeah, this guy's going, what did I get myself into? And just like that, we have a win by knockout. You know, not technical, I guess you could call it. Like, he didn't get knocked down multiple times like in boxing, but he also wasn't completely out. Uh, so now, Takaku Fuke versus Vernon Tiger White. Uh, Vernon Tiger White, I don't remember if he actually ever shows up in UFC, but he's he's a known guy in um, the Lion's Den for uh, under Shamrock, you know, Shamrock, Ken Shamrock, Frank Shamrock, as well as... Um, he, he does plenty of, like, MMA, mixed martial arts fights and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Fuke is, is one of the, um, the founders of the, uh, of Pancrase. I don't know a lot about him. I know he's, he's very talented, um, but I don't know a lot about his career. Otherwise, um, Vernon Tiger White will bulk up. He looks kind of, kind of skinny right there, but he'll, he'll eventually bulk up a bit, um, you know, get a little more meaner looking, if if you will. Yeah, one of the one of the things that I think I really love about Pancrase and what kind of drew me to this is how different it is from what I grew up watching. Because at this point, 1993, I was a wrestling fan. Like I was a pro wrestling fan. I watched WWF. I was watching WCW to an extent. Um, and this was not what you would see. And maybe in when I was, you know, 8, 9, 10, in the early 90s, like, I would have probably been bored by this. Maybe not at the Bass Rootin' fight we just saw, because that, you know, it was fairly exciting and it was quick. And, you know, he, he kind of kicked the guy's ass pretty fast. But, um, but I wouldn't have known, like, what they were doing. Like, they're just rolling around on the ground, and he's got him in a headlock. Why, why is the crowd getting excited? And I wouldn't have realized that he's cranking his neck. But, um... But this is totally different, and plus, I didn't watch Japan back then, so the fact that the crowd is not screaming and yelling and ho hollering and cheering and booing, you know, all you can hear is the cameras clicking from the photographer's ringside, and that's it. That It fascinates, it still fascinates me to this day at how polite the um, Japanese fans are that they'll react for a big move or, you know, like a reversal or something, but they stay quiet the rest of the time. You know, like they, like they, they cheer for that because he just, he just caught him in an armbar. But um, they're not going crazy during the the actual fight. Otherwise, so Vernon Tiger White got, got caught in an armbar and he has a little, a little sportsmanship, which is good. All right. Kazuyo Takahashi versus George Weingroff. Now, George Weingroff is uh, the son of uh, Jim Cornette's, one of Jim Cornette's, one of Jim Cornette's favorite managers that he mentions from uh, from the Memphis area, Saul Weingroff. And um, interesting thing about George Weingroff is he is legally blind, so he is getting into this to wrestle with with Takahashi, um, and he can't really see him. So uh, let, let's see how that works out for old Georgie boy. Spoiler, I don't think it's going to work out too well. But 
I, I do think like he's he's accomplished. I mean, obviously they wouldn't have they wouldn't have chosen him to be in this if he was some schmuck. Like, because they, I mean, Shamrock talks about in a, I saw a shoot interview with him. He talked about how he got into uh, pro wrestling Fujiwara Gumi, um, which was basically he was doing um, South. Uh, South Atlantic Pro Wrestling, SAPW, and he was kind of friendly with Dean Malenko, and Dean Malenko showed him this because uh, Dean Malenko had been over to Japan, and so he knew Carl Gotch, um, not only from his own work in Japan, but his dad working in Japan, he knew Carl Gotch, and so he was showing um, Shamrock some videos of these guys doing, like, work shoot type stuff and Shamrock was like how do I get involved in that I, I love that you know that's a cool thing I want to I want to do this so Shamrock um, went to Florida and had a workout with some of the guys and they basically just tore his ass up but he kept coming he kept coming and then they did the same thing when he got over to Japan and that kind of proved to them that he uh, he wasn't you know, a schlub. He was the real deal. Like, he could hang, and he had good cardio and all that. Um, so, obviously, they're not going to take Weingroff if he can't hang. But at the same time, there there have been rumors that some of the Pancrase things were... They would match two guys up, and one of them was clearly the, the guy that was going to win because, you know, they are hitting each other, but, like, they're not... It's not like boxing where you can have that flash knockdown. Um, like legit where you could I mean I guess you could but um, the big thing is like they're 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 working but they're not and so these guys would work together and um, you know the the better guy would kind of to- not toy with the guy but just kind of he'd, he'd go easy on him just to make it more entertaining because if he just goes in there and eats him up and in 10 seconds he's murdered the guy and the guy's got no offense nobody's gonna want to see that but if he lets him do it and then oh all of a sudden he hooks him and he you know makes him tap and it takes a minute well that he makes him look good then that that works it's kind of pro wrestling even if it's you know not pro wrestling but here's our main event uh ken wayne shamrock versus Matsukatsu Funaki. Sorry, I knew I knew his name. I was just trying to wait for the ring announcer to say it, but he didn't say it. So yeah, that's Shamrock versus Matsukatsu Funaki, and um, Shamrock uh, up to this point had never beaten uh, Funaki in sparring. So he had not a chip on his shoulder, but he Funaki was a guy who trained him, so to speak, trained him in shoot wrestling, and kind of gave him. Um, give him some pointers and all that so this is essentially like teacher versus student Um, and Shamrock pointed that out again in the the shoot interview I saw that he came into this fight going I want to beat this guy like I know I can beat him even though I never have so he he had something to prove Um, but it was you know it was friendly but at the same time you can see like they're they got their game faces on they are not fucking around and um so, Funaki, you know, like I, I said earlier, was a very talented, you know, wrestler in his own right. And, um, 
You know, he knows what he's doing. So so does Shamron. Oops. Slips the kick in there. Being very cautious. Oh. See, there's a there was a body shot, completely legal to, to, to you know close fist to the body. Yeah, now see this. To some people, this would be boring. I, I get it. You know, the um, they're just kind of rolling around on the ground trying to grapple for position, but no, um, it, not a lot of like high, you know, high impact shots or anything like that. Um, but you can see, you know, Shamrock's trying to work on a neck crank, or well, he was trying to do a neck crank. Now Funaki's flipped over, but he's got his legs hooked around Funaki's to try to keep him from escaping. Digging that forearm and the head just a, just a little, you know, keep him off his guard so he doesn't try anything, uh, you know, to reverse him, you know, buck him off or anything like that. Shamrock grabbing for the leg, almost like a diversion. Yeah, now he's got the, he got his hands gripping, now he's got a full Nelson. I don't think he's going for a full Nelson submission. I think he's, yeah, he's going for the, he's going for a leg Going for the leg. He's going for a he's going for a heel hook or yep, he's going for a heel hook, I think. Or maybe a knee bar. Interestingly enough, uh, two months later at the first uh, UFC event, that's what Shamrock uses is a, a heel hook to beat uh, Patrick Smith in um, the first round. Before he 
ends up with uh, Hoist Gracie. Yeah, look at look at how chiseled Shamrock's uh, upper body is. Like, you know, he's he's in shape. Like he's really in shape. Not that he's not in shape now, or that he wasn't in shape in WWE, but uh, WWF. But you know, he's he's lean, but he's you know chiseled. So it wasn't Funaki for that matter. It's just easier to see in that camera shot that it was Shamrock. Uh, but yeah, and the ref stands him up because of lack of uh, lack of movement. You know, they weren't really doing much. They were kind of at a stalemate. So let's, let's get you guys up and get going again. Something that uh, a few future UFCs, especially some of the early ones, would need. Because they didn't have that, uh, that rule. So you'd have guys rolling around on the ground for 15 minutes. <laughs> Drive the forearm, that elbow across the chin. He's going for a... He's gonna try to go for a side choke or something. Funaki's a little, little smarter than that. I think they're like, because Shamrock's been kind of in control on top for the whole time they've been on the ground. I would say that Funaki a few times has kind of got close to, that, to you know, f countering him or reversing him or whatever you want to call it. But yeah, he's got the side choke sunk in. Is Funaki going to go out? Is he going to tap? He tapped. So like I said, <laughs> Shamrock, Shamrock's happy because that was the first time he beat Funaki. <laughs> that's why. That's why he's so yeah, excited. All right, and so that is the end. Um, obviously, this version, they clipped things out. You know, they they cut. A lot of the after-match kind of stuff. I mean, none of it was like pro wrestling where they, you know, would jump each other or, you know, anything like that. Um, I know at the end of Suzuki's match, um, he gets on the mic and he says something. Again, I don't speak Japanese, so I, I don't know what he says. But um, pretty much it's just this was a clipped-down version from the um, official VHS release from Pancreas back in 1993. Well... That wraps it up for this debut edition of the Hybrid Wrestling Cast. Hope you guys had fun, right along with me. I know I did. This is a good show, and hopefully hopefully uh, you guys enjoyed it enough that you want to come back. And uh, next time we'll be covering, yes, we are Hybrid Wrestlers 2. Once again, if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, I am at LeoWyatt85. The show is at hybrid underscore cast give me a follow shoot me a shoot me a message you know let me know what your thoughts are what i can do better if you got any suggestions any critiques hell if you want to troll me i don't care that's it for this episode of the hybrid wrestling cast i will be back next time with yes we are hybrid wrestlers too 
I'm Rick Beebe. Have a good one.